Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is June 3rd. I am David Gasper, joined by my co-host Matt Carroll, and we are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. You can follow each of us on Twitter. You can follow Matt at MKEMatt13, and I am at DGasper24, and of course the podcast account at ColdBrew underscore pod and at reviewing the brew uh, joining us for our brewers discussion this week on the cold brew podcast is valley sports wisconsin host craig kashan craig thanks so much man for for taking the time out of your morning here to talk to us yeah no problem i'm looking forward to it yeah we, we've had uh we've had dillard on here we we've had retino on here and you know we just kind of we, we've had dario on here twice we figured you know what now it's time to get to get Craig on the show, you know? <laughs> well, I don't know if I can live up to uh, to any of their billings, but uh, it's probably good that you had me on fourth in line here. So <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. I'm looking forward to it. I've done uh, I've done several of these and, um, you know, it's always good talking uh, brewers and, you know, I talk a little bucks too and, and all that kind of good stuff. So uh, it's exciting time of year, you know, here we are into June and, you know, the Brewers um, are hitting home runs and losing. So I guess that's a good sign that <laughs> they're hitting home runs. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's about time to finally get that offense going. And uh, just kind of quickly on the on the Bucks there, with the series coming up against the Nets, what are you thinking? Bucks and six? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be fine by me. That's for sure. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a tough series for them. It's going to be such a 180 from what the Heat series was. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Um I was a little surprised, to be honest with you, on two fronts, how well the Bucks played um, and and how deep, you know, that they that they were for that four game series into the bench and what Forbes was able to do and overcoming Dante's injury, you know, for game four and stuff. Um, I, I think they have that pretty well covered. But um, but the other one was just how flat the heat seemed and so and how uninterested they seemed in playing that series. So um you know, the, the Nets is going to be a different story. I, I'm not sure what their hunger level is, but I, I know that they've got, you know, three guys, at least two in, in Harden and Durant, who are virtually impossible to, to guard. I mean, let's face it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll do pretty well with Irving, but um, it's going to be a major, major test and a huge, you know, 180 for this team compared to what they, you know, just went through right now. That's for sure. Yeah, it'll be real interesting to see what happens uh, with the loss of Dante. I mean, they weathered it for that final game of the Heat series, but uh, that'll be big defensively uh, on what they're able to do against that big three. Yeah, for sure it will. Um, and, and I don't know if, you know, Bud's got planned for, you know, filling that that starting role for Dante or not. But quite frankly, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised and would, would like to see uh, P.J. Tucker fill that role. Mm-hmm. Um you know, as good as he is defensively, I, I don't see at this point of the playoffs why you'd save that for the bench. You know what I mean? I, I think mm-hmm. he can come right out of the gates. It's a, you know, it's a whole different starting five. You're, you're talking about, you know, with the Nets. So uh, I would I would almost be surprised if, if he ended up not starting and taking that spot for Dante. That's for sure. Yeah, I still say Bucks and six. I, I think I say that for every single series. I think everyone on Twitter says that for every single series. But well, you know, um, I'm uh, I've I've got the um, the underlying history of Bucks and six. It's a uh, it's one oh. of the one of the quiet stories out there. But um, when the Wisconsin Sports Awards, it may have been their first year. You you guys were probably toddlers at the time, but uh, <laughs> David but, maybe, <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> Uh, 
I did a, um, a one-on-one kind of on stage in, in the big comfy chairs with, uh, with Brandon Jennings. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it was, I think at the start of their playoff series. And, um, you know, I said, you know, what, what do you think of this next series coming up? Kind of like the three of us are talking right now, kind of looking ahead to the next big series. And, and he's like bucks and six and so everyone, <laughs> yes. you know, roared and stuff. And, and that's, that's where bucks and six started. That was his, mm-hmm. uh, that was his public, um, everyone caught on to that. Cause we had, we had a, we had a big live audience. So, um, so yeah, so that's the, that's the origins of that. I'm, I'm kind of, <laughs> I kind of laugh cause I, I hear that all the time and it's kind of become a, a fun phrase for the playoffs and stuff, but, uh, that just kind of, just kind of happened during that interview. So, so there, yeah. so that's my untold story. Love it. it. It all started with Craig Kishan, just involved in everything over here. <laughs> hey, as long as Brandon Jennings isn't here, I'm going to take credit for it. So <laughs> there we go. There we go. When, when, when Brandon Jennings comes on, then we'll, then we'll talk about that. But that's right. That's <laughs> right. Good luck getting him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, would you like to come on and talk brewers? What? No, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. So, so let's get into the brewers now. They had, um, they had a winning streak going this past week here and that just kind of got, ended by that game against the Tigers where as you're kind of mentioning you know they're they're giving up home runs or getting home runs and and not quite uh winning it though but this uh streak and and really just kind of I believe they're eight and three now since acquiring Willie Adamas is that something that you think is merely a coincidence or is this something where I mean Willie Adamas coming in really kind of sparked some life into this club well, I don't think it's any coincidence because I think the guy's that good. Um, you know, that stuff doesn't last forever, though. And and sometimes you make trades uh, because they're really necessary. And sometimes you make trades because, um, you know, it'll spark a team all at the same time. Um, and, and he's certainly done that. And to be quite frank with you, I don't think many of us over here really knew what type of a person and a player he really was. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you don't sometimes with guys you just don't see very often. And, and he hasn't been in the league, you know, a ton, um, but he's already made an impact uh, just based on, you know, his, his being, first of all, a really good teammate first. And, and he's injected, um, I think, some professionalism into this team, some fun into this team all at the same time. And those are, those are hard to come by. And then we all know he plays pretty hard on the field. I mean, this, this dude is a true shortstop, make no mistake. Um, and, and he, he said it himself when he got here, he didn't hit the ball well at Tropicana field in Tampa. He always hit really well on the road and his split showed that. And I think sometimes you have to give credit to, to uh, the person and the player that, you know, David Stearns and, and his guys go after. I think it was kind of the same with Kristen Yelich. They, you know, part of the model they, they did with Yelich is um, they basically said if, if he were to hit outside of his ballpark in Miami, he'd have a lot of success in certain parks. And, and at the time, Miller Park was one of them. And that's one of the reasons that they, they went out and got him. Um, and, and I think with Adamas, I would not be surprised at all to see his offensive numbers stay at a higher level than, than they were for his home splits, you know, with the Rays and stuff. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it's going to be good uh, for whatever reason. Uh, I think maybe the biggest surprise out of this is uh, I think it clearly took pressure off Urias. 
um, you know, he was pretty much handed the keys to shortstop and, and some, sometimes it's, it's hard to drive that sports car, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think right now his comfort level is, is best, um, kind of being shifted around between, you know, third base and maybe a little bit over at short and a little bit over at second base and being used as a pinch hitter and stuff. Um, so I think he's, he's instantly created a comfort level. And so that's a really good sign because we know this team is really struggling to produce offense still um, in those corner infield spots and, and trying to keep the outfield healthy right now. I mean, it amazes me sometimes that they're, you know, a few games over 500 right now and the run differentials, you know, deep in the minus category right now. Um, it's a credit to their pitching, obviously. So, uh, but at some point it's got to balance out. Yeah, we've talked a few times podcasts now about, you know, some of the personalities the Brewers used to have that are no longer around, like Jesus Aguilar and Hernan Perez, um, guys like that, Orlando Arcia, um, and how the Brewers' strong clubhouse culture has been something to kind of weather that. But, you know, you do miss those types of guys. And by all rights, everything we heard about Adamas after, immediately after that trade happened was hugely positive with how he interacted with his teammates and how the coaches and how just everyone in that uh, ballpark just loved that guy. So I think he did provide a little bit of a spark. And then obviously uh, offensively he did as well. Um, He's only, he's reached base in nine of the 11 games since he's been here, three of the four games in that Padre series, uh, which was huge to be able to help us split that. But I think it's an interesting point about Urias that, you know, having some of that pressure off really has allowed him to flourish a little bit. He is now um, eight for 28 in the last 10 games. Uh, He's played 10 games since Adamas has been acquired. So he's still getting his playing time. Um, That's a 286 batting average. He's got a couple home runs in there, a double in there. He's got five RBIs. So he's doing some things now that, you know, a little bit of that has been taken off of him. Um, I think the pressure was manifesting a little bit more defensively obviously as we saw it because um, those throwing errors were really starting to get out of control which is a large part of what prompted the move Um, but he's really settled in and he's still finding his playing time so that's benefited you know a couple of players now we had the conversation um, I believe last week about you know where does the bullpen go from here and I think that's you know kind of a, another set of holes that need to be patched that I'm sure Stearns will address. I mean, we'll get itself worked out, but yeah, absolutely no um, coincidence that the team has been on a hot streak now since Adamas came over. Yeah. And you know, the, that and, and some other things to, to look at that go on, you know, that don't involve stats or, or don't involve our set of eyes all the time either. Um you, you got a guy like Arias that the club really believes in and still thinks he's going to be a, a, you know, a major part of their future. Well, he's had Colton Wong to go to since spring training. Now he's got Adamas to go to. Now that Adamas is here, he's got, he's also got Colton Wong to go to. So, you know, you, you got, you got a, a, a really good core group of play. You got Jackie Bradley Jr. to go to, um, for clubhouse leadership type, how to conduct yourself, how to overcome, you know, um, certain things that, that, that might be going on in your head, you know, that certain things that might be you know, little tweaks 
you know, in the batter's box, those type of things, how to set yourself defensively, how to, how to handle certain situations. So, you know, with the addition of, you know, Adamus, it just makes this team, you know, overall. And it's, you know, like you said, with the, with the clubhouse, it, it seems like it's a lot more jovial now. And I think this team needed that. I, I really do. Um, and, and that, that just has layers to it. So hopefully, you know, hopefully that's going to be something that we continue to see. That's for sure. Yeah. And, and when you look at the Brewers teams of the past couple of years, 2017, 2018, 2019, they were all just really fun groups, just having fun out on the field in the dugout in the clubhouse. Like you, you could see it, like it, it came up all the time um, and, and how they played and how they interacted with each other. And they had kind of been missing that over the first couple of weeks of the season. Um, so that, that, that's a really great point that you bring up Craig about, you know, what uh, about being more jovial and having him in there. Um, but I mean, when you're, you know, you, you've covered the team for, um, you know, a while and you've, when you do that, you kind of, I mean, you, you're a fan of the team, you know, you're, you're a fan oh, of the team sure, that, yeah. that you're covering. Yeah. What was your reaction to, to seeing the trade first come down a, as a fan when, when you see that, okay, Urias is getting demoted, they're bringing in another guy and then, you know, JP Fireyes and Drew Rasmussen sent out. Um, and it was all just kind of, you know, it just kind of came together so quickly and, and you're not expecting a trade of that caliber in the middle of May, what was your reaction as a fan when you saw that trade go through? Well, you know, I think my first reaction, you know, as a fan was, you know, what is going on at shortstop? You know, they, they've made, they've made two significant trades in the first two months of the months of the season. And so I think as a fan, you know, you're just, you're going, wait a minute. I thought we were fine at shortstop, you know, coming out of spring training, you know, what's going on with this team right now? Where, where are their priorities um, are, are they trying to overfix a position? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that, that was my, that was my initial, uh, all, also at the same time, you know, shipping out two middle relievers and not having that covered through the trade really had me worried, uh, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. And, and it still is of great concern, um, because Richards right now just isn't in the caliber uh, as JP Fireisen and, and Drew Rasmussen. He just, yeah. he just isn't there yet. Um, and so, and the trade for Orlando Arcia, the two relievers that Brewers got in that deal, um, you know, so far those two have not factored in really at all. Um, and, you know, hopefully down the road, I know that's, the, that's their hope, but it might be, you know, another year or two before we see, you know, any significance there. I think, I think the big thing, just thinking about the, you know, the, the bullpen thing that, that still has me a little bit concerned is a lot of the guys that, you know, that they've, they've had step up this year in the bullpen have been with them now for a second year. And I think they, they have made, you know, and rightly so a big deal of being in the organization and understanding what this organization wants out of their relief pitchers and their starting pitchers. And so it it becomes a little bit more difficult when you start adding guys from the outside and saying, we're just going to plug them in here. They're going to have to step up or someone else is going to have to step up that may not be ready and stuff. So that, that is of concern, you know, to me um, at at this point. And, you know, you you had a guy like uh, Brad Boxberger, 
you don't have to worry about him. He's, he's been around the league for so long and, and has pitched in, you know, high pressure situations, been an all-star closer. You don't worry about guys like that. You worry more about the young guys that you're trying to develop and you say they're major league ready, but they don't, they just don't have a lot of major league experience right now. Yeah, it's quite a shift from last year when you had maybe just the final one or two spots in the bullpen that you were worried about. And now this year you have uh, Hader, Williams, and Boxberger, kind of your core. Suter, who is relatively reliable after that. And then who? Um, it's kind of been a little bit of a revolving door of, um, you know, who do we get in there that, uh, you know, can really play some meaningful innings. And until this offense really starts to step up and give the starting pitching a bigger lead to work with on a regular basis, you're going to have those close games. We're going to need someone to step in. So, you know, there's some arms down there in the minor leagues, you know, maybe they do find one or two who are kind of a diamond in the rough that can step in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough situation they're dealing with. Luckily the offense is coming around a little bit. Um, but as we've seen, throughout the year can we really rely on that being a consistent thing yeah I mean it and it hasn't been consistent at all yet so um you know it's you just figure it has to come around I mean there's some pretty talented guys there um and look let, let's face it if it if Yelich doesn't return to some form or fashion of uh of what he was when he was an MVP and you know almost followed that up with another MVP um, that, then your, your eyes are like, Whoa, what is really going on here? But, um, you know, if he, if he gets going and starts, uh, showing that, that power, I mean, it, it just has to show up. This team has to have that from him. Um, and that, that to me is the key to the, you know, here we are early June. That, that is the one key for the remainder of the season. I, I think their starting pitching is going to be is going to be just fine. I, I don't know if it's going to be as lights out as we've seen. They're going to, they're going to go, you know, through their dips and valleys a little bit and someone's going to have to cover them. But at that point, then you're, you're hoping you're scoring seven, eight, nine runs a game more often than you're not. Um, but it ha it starts with Yelich. I mean, Yelich absolutely has to start uh, showing his form and getting that, that power back. Uh, we just haven't seen it hardly at all this year. And, and, we all know why. Granted, he he's missed a you know probably half the season at at this point as we talk. So um, just getting him back in rhythm is going to be to me the one key from this point moving forward. Yeah, and this offense, you know, we we've talked about you know this offense kind of struggling you know the whole time, and it was always like oh it's fine they don't have Yelich, um, you know he's been out for the whole month they haven't really had him so it's hard to make you know any judgments on the offense but now he's back and as you're mentioning he hasn't quite fully gotten to to MVP form does he just like look different to you like up at the plate um you know just kind of you know around the team does he look somewhat different when he's swinging or, or walking around he, he just doesn't seem like his usual self out there well, I think I think we saw it last year you know during the the 60 game season um I, I thought his uh, mannerisms were different for sure. Um, and I mean, let's face it, no matter who you are, um, it was a weird year last year. 
Yeah. And I'll, uh, and in, in my opinion, my honesty, who I am as a person, I think this year is just as weird as last year, but it, it's just in a different way for all of us. Um, so we don't know what's going on in, in, in his head necessarily, um, how any of these guys were able to deal with the pandemic last year and how we're all dealing with coming back and, you know, all the, all the political correctness of taking the masks on and off. And, you know, I'm just throwing some stuff out there that, that, you know, we have to understand that, that everybody's a human being, you know, we don't really know what's going through Keston Hira's mind at this point. I mean, his mom is sick. You know, that that's got to be pretty significant and weigh on an individual. Um, and he's not going to reveal all that. He's a baseball player. And, and, and you hope that, you know, some of those things, you know, the mental side of everybody certainly plays into their, their physical side and how successful or unsuccessful they're going to be on the field. I mean, it's just, it's just a given, you know, I, I can't guess anything beyond that. Um, I think, you know, I think he's, you know, his at bats are pretty good to be honest with you, but, but he's in a large group of baseball players right now where a lot of balls are getting pounded in the ground. And, you know, these shifts right now are, they're spectacular. If you like that, uh, I don't necessarily, <laughs> um, but you know what, you, you've got to figure out a way to, to, to uh, sometimes go away from that shift and, you know, we're seeing some clubs rolling in some opponents against the Brewers who are who are doing their version of small ball and, and sometimes pounding the ball in the ground. You can do with a different style of swing and, and uh, a different approach at the plate than than it is just trying to, you know, to rip it where, you know, the, the defense ends up. So I know I'm crisscrossing in a lot of directions, there, <laughs> but um, it's uh but I, I, that's where I just go back. It, it's just been, it's still, it's still a weird time to be a professional athlete. I'm, I'm seeing it on the NBA side too. Yeah. And <clears throat> when it comes to uh, going against the shift there, that, that could bring us to everyone's favorite topic, bunting. Um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, everyone sees a shift and everyone on Twitter is just like, just bunt it, bunt it down the third baseline. Just, just drop down a bunt. It's so easy. Just bunt it. Um, are you a, are you a proponent of bunting or, or are you against bunting? Or I love bunting. You love I, bunting. I do. There we go. I, I mean, I, that, I, I've, I understand what they're, what, where baseball is gone, but I, I just think it's, it's ridiculous not to use that as a, as a tool in a positive manner, uh, or only to use it if you absolutely have to, if the pitcher's up. Um, so I mean, it's a choice. Let's face it. It's a choice. And if you don't practice it and it's not uh, part of the blueprint of your offense, then you're not going to do it. And if you're going to be honest about it, like Craig Council's always been honest about it, they're, they're not big into the bunt. And my gosh, when uh, last week, when Keston here laid down those two sacrifice bunts to win those two walk-off games uh, at home, Craig Council did not give credit to them saying lay the bunt down. They basically, he basically said he's successful at it because uh, he bunted a lot in college and it was part of what they did in college and stuff. So I'm like, man, you're, you're not taking any credit for this. Um, <laughs> and you hate the bunt so much. You're just going to say, well, he's doing that because he did it in college and he, he's the one guy who's capable of doing it. Um, I, I just think it's uh it's an unnecessary way to give up on manufacturing runs. 
And when you've gone two plus uh, season, I mean, uh, months into the season and you've got as many games as they have scoring three runs or less, I just have a hard time uh, accepting that the bunt is not going to help you. Um, I'm of the philosophy right now where these shifts are going on that why not pick an early inning? Why not pick the first or the second inning or maybe the fourth inning? When, when you have your, when you have a group of guys that's due up your three guys and you know that they're going to be severely shifted, why not have them figure out a way to get on base by just poking that ball the other way? There's some guys who can do it. Um, so just put some pressure on the defense, put some pressure on the pitcher. That's what bunting does. Um, that's what putting a ball in play does. If, if you have a leadoff double, why is that guy still at second base on the third out, right? <laughs> uh, figure out a way to get him over. Hit, hit that ball to the other side and, and get him over. And, and hopefully, at the very least, a sacrifice fly will score him. It's just little things like that. that, um, that that's what made baseball. So um, why, not, why not use it occasionally? You know what? If you did that, if they were that successful even once or twice a week, they, they might be better off. I'm not, I'm not saying they would be, but they might be. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Um, it obviously is a big part of the team's philosophy, but um, do you think it does have to do that much with the fact that um, they just don't practice it that much or the team just doesn't have good bunters outside of Keston here? Is it as much that as it is the philosophy? No, it's all the philosophy. I mean, okay. if you're if you have it as part of your philosophy, you'll figure out a way physically to make it work, um, mm. and you, you just will. Um, you know, pitchers. I mean, they, they if you if you watch batting practice, um, it's usually um, right off the top that they do. You know, a little bit of bunting. Um, mm. You know, if you if you get 20 pitches, you know, each time you're in and out of the batter's box, let's say you take the first three or four and you'd bunt and then you take the next three or four and you're going to uh, hit some ground balls to the left side. You take the next three or four, hit some ground balls to the right side, you know, next three or four, you're 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 pulling and swinging next three or four. You're driving the other way. It's just it's just part of, you know, what what you decide to do or not to do. And um you know, that's, that's not a criticism. My answer to that, that's just, that's just fact. That's just, you know, it's just not part of their philosophy and they'll, you know, they, they pretty much rely on their pitchers to, to sacrifice bunt if, if it's necessary at the time for them. And that's, that's pretty much it. Um, you know, you get guys like uh, Colton Wong every now and again, Jackie Bradley Jr. Every now and again, um, maybe a little more of the old school guys that are, are willing to do that. Travis Shaw sees that uh, big shift and, and once in a while he just, he just lays his bat mm -hmm. out there and it just rolls down the third base line. You know, he chugs into first base with a single, all of a sudden you got a guy on. That's great. I mean, that's, that's all you can hope for sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, Cause it's tough hitting through that shift. We've seen it. If you don't hit over the top of it or really over the top of it for a home run, there's not much room for you to succeed through there. There just isn't. If, if you're going to keep playing it that way and keep hitting it that way, you know, that that's what we've seen a lot, not just with the Brewers, but all of baseball right now. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, and Travis has seen that shift eat him up on way too many base hits that he should have had. Unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, even to the warning track, I mean, he's got some carry and some power in his bat, and he's he's definitely better than than where his average is dipped to right now, that's for sure. Yeah, and, you know, he's someone that, I mean, it, it was so good to see him back. It seemed like he had, you know, figured some stuff out, got off to a really good start. Uh, but, yeah, that that shifting – um, and you see it like with the guys in like shallow right field. I remember seeing one the other day, Omar Narvaez hit a line mm-hmm. shot in the right field that for a hundred years was a base hit every single time, but yet it was a line drive right to the second baseman or whoever was standing there in shallow right where no one has ever been standing for a hundred years and it gets yeah. caught for a line out. It's like, th- this is ridiculous. Like yeah. having a guy out here, like that's, that, that's too much. It, it is. And, and it's, um, I mean, that, that's, it's just not fun to watch sometimes, yeah. you know, it just like, that doesn't make me go, Oh, great play. There's so many balls that are hit right to the defense. Now it is. Um, and, and you know what, I'll give credit to um, how they scout and how they prepare and what, what video that they have that makes things work for these guys. Um, everyone does something a little bit different. Most teams will shift for the hitter. Um, there are teams like the Dodgers who shift for the pitcher. I don't know if Tim, when Tim Dillard was on, if you guys got into that conversation or not, but he said that that's been going on for four or five, six years now. And it's really kind of interesting because when the Dodgers were in town, um, every time they made a pitching change, somebody from their dugout would take defensive cards out and distribute them to all the position players. So, and it wasn't for who is coming up. It was for who is coming into pitch. And, and I think that's really interesting because they, they have their pitchers pitched to what's going to make them successful, no matter who's up there and where the ball should be hit. And I, I think, you know, if we're starting to see that start to go through, there's, there's a couple of teams I think that are doing that now. I mean, this is this is growing. This defensive shift thing is growing big time layers to it. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's a credit to Omar Narvaez, by the way, for how hot he was, despite how often he gets shifted on. But between him, Shaw and Vogel back, he gets so many hits taken away from that shift. Can you imagine in a normal year, you know, years ago without shifts, how well those that trio would be hitting this year? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I, you're right. And, and I think about when Prince Fielder was, uh, was here, the shift was just starting to come around uh, mm-hmm. when, he, when he was in his prime with the Brewers. And I remember thinking how hard he used to hit that ball right into outs in shallow right field or, or whatever. And, and I'm thinking, this dude, if they didn't allow shifts, he, he would have been like a 450 hitter, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But now I'm seeing a lot of guys that, you know, Omar Nabais might be hitting 450 as well. Uh, Travis Shaw should be a 300 hitter, that type of thing. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, you know, with the shifts. I think it's going to be – it's something they have to address. And I, I think, you know, um, I read an article the other day, you know, with Theo Epstein being a consultant in Major League Baseball right now. He is, he is down on what we're seeing this year. And if, if he's going to be a reliable consultant – to how to make this game better. Um, I think he knows it goes beyond making a, 
testing out a, a bigger base and moving the pitcher back a foot. It goes beyond that. It, it, you know, it, it, it need, there has to be some kind of a return to how the game was designed. So, and it wasn't, it, it, it's changed a little bit and, and I get it. That's the evolution of sports. Everything has changed in all professional sports. So, um, but you want it to be entertaining and, you know, you, it, right now for the large part, it, it's hard not to argue. It's not, it's not entertaining right now. Yeah. I, I think I, I like Theo Epstein. I, I trust that he's probably going to make, you know, uh, a pretty good choice for how to um, help the game. I, I know for a fact, he'll make a better choice than whatever Rob Manfred comes up with. Um, Cause he is, his decisions have not uh, been super great over the years. Um, but yeah. And um, I will, I will mention, I did go to the, the Timber Rattlers game last night and I did see a position player drop down a bunt down the third baseline against the shift. So like, I don't know if hell has frozen over or <laughs> what's going on, but that did happen. Um, Chad, it's McClanahan, all supposed to happen in the minor leagues. So maybe that's a good sign, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they had the huge shift against them. So it's like, I'm just, Drop that down. That game was kind of a mess last night. It was 12 to 11. So many walks, so many errors. Um, but it was fun. It, it was good to, to be there. I was able to go front row right behind home plate, $15 for a ticket. I love it. Nice. Love minor leagues. <laughs> love minor league baseball. $5 parking, $15 for a ticket like that. Plus what, what's a beer over there? Like so there were bucks? dogs everywhere. It was great. What, what's a beer at a Timber Rattlers game? Um... So if you get a large craft beer, like a summer shandy, like, you know, line cook stuff like that, it's like eight seventy five. Um, if you get a large domestic, I think it's like seven fifty. All right. So their, their beer prices are major league competitive. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but $15 for a ticket like that. No, so, right. For sure. Yeah. You save somewhere. So it's fine. But I got like a thing of like waffle fries too for like, 350 375 i think so there you go you know Perfect. can't complain too much no um i miss yeah. sitting in the ballpark and, and having some food and all that i i honestly can't remember that last time i did it so maybe one day we'll uh the three of us will get a get a group together who knows yeah yeah we'll, we'll bring D dillard along he can get free food i'm sure you know he'll probably <laughs> steal it from somewhere but yeah it might be it might be secondhand uh leftovers but yeah, he can definitely get it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I saw something on uh, uh, one of the the pre games the other day that were like they got cotton candy that was like put in one of the garbage bins and he just brought it out for like him and like Dario or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's bad, and and so are the uh, sewing, so you know, the open bags of. Uh, peanuts that somebody will leave behind you you know mm -hmm. you he's got long arms man he he grabs those <laughs> yeah. look look they didn't eat the whole bag they did they just left it behind i'm like no tim no no, no. it's not getting that bad <laughs> yeah there are rules about this tim we live in a society exactly exactly <laughs> uh yeah he's so, so man he's fun to work with yeah, I was just about to say, I mean you got you got Tim Dillard now, you got Vinny Rotino there kind of working with you on the uh, on the broadcast, they seem kind of uh, yin and yang. You know, one is kind of you know the super uh, outgoing one in in Tim, um, and then you got Vinny, kind of you know 
uh, a different personality style than uh, than Tim Dillard. Um, so what's it been like working with uh, those two guys? Well, from my perspective, it's been it's been really good. Um, I I wasn't a hundred percent sure where Tim would go with his with his on air abilities in a in a show that you know if you're you're on we're on for sixty minutes a day talking baseball. And he is, um, as we know, as creative and as entertaining as it gets. Um, but we're here to cover a game. So you can't, you can't go into that, you know, well too many times. Um, and, and he's done a really remarkable job of um, showcasing his knowledge of the game. Um, it's really good for us to be together during the game uh, because he talks uh, about different scenarios and situations, um, shares some stories from his playing days. He still knows a lot of players that are playing uh, in the majors right now. So that freshness really helps a lot. Um, and the more we talk during the three or three and a half hours during the game, honestly, the, the, the better he is in postgame because um, he just kind of continues that conversation. And I, I think a lot of the things that he is, he has had to say and bring up and analyze have been really, really strong. And, um, to me, that's, that's been like, for him, that's the biggest hurdle because we, we all know him as an entertainer first, and he is, he is in a class by himself when it comes to that. Um, and, and it's great to joke and have some fun on the air too. Um, I think he worries about it a little bit, um, and, and I always, you know, he goes, I, I don't know if I should have said that. And I go, Tim, you say whatever you want. And then he always laughs. laughs. Like, I can say whatever I want. And I said, of course, who's going to stop you from saying whatever you want. Now you might get in trouble for saying it later, but it doesn't matter. Just say whatever you want. <laughs> um, but he has to say whatever he wants because he's got a, you know, he's got a lot in his head. He is going a hundred miles an hour all the time. You know, he, he barely stops thinking, trust me. Um, and, and that's, that's just who he is though. And it's, uh, I think it's really translated really, really well over the air. That's for sure. And we've had, we've had some fun putting videos together. Um, and a lot of that he's kept on the social media side. He's not made a huge push to have that on our shows because I think he wants some separation and he understands that. Right around the time that the the fire Andy Haynes crowd really started to get loud. And I think a lot of the deep analysis he had from his time with Haynes was really good. Um, I, I didn't know what to expect with him either. Um, and I think fans get a uh, great perspective from you guys having him on the show. Oh yeah, we, we do. And, and um, you know, a lot of people will stop, you know, when we're walking through the stands and stuff and, um, or, or send us messages on, you know, Twitter and stuff. And, and they, they, when they say they like you, that means you're, you're providing them some entertainment and, and you're um, providing them some information too. Um, you know, some people say, Hey man, you're just a really funny guy. And that's great. I mean, a lot, you almost know who's, who your audience is when, when they, when they make comments like that. Um, People are obviously really into social media and, and, and videos and, and, you know, short entertainment clips and stuff like that, that he's able to put together. And, and those are the people that, that think he's funny. And, and those are the people that, that you want to be, you want to entertain like that. 
Um, and then I think the people that say, Hey man, we really like your stuff on the air. They know they don't see as much on the entertainment side, but he's, um, he's lighthearted. He knows when to, you know, th throw one liners in, you know, he knows when to, uh, poke fun of himself sometimes and, and how to kind of spin that into his comment, you know, of how, how great a player might be or how well a player is playing right now, or, uh, you know, an uncommon feat or something like that. So, um, you know, I know he was joking around the other day that um, I can't remember what pitcher it was. It might, might've been Lauer going out there. I think I made the comment, uh, you know, he hasn't given up an extra base hit in his last eight innings. And he goes, I, I just gave up three home runs before we went on the air today or something, you know, and, and you just, you just automatically laugh because he doesn't have to tell you a big old story. Um, he's just got good one-liners and stuff. And, and we try to, we try to one up each other sometimes who we can, um, you know, off camera just to, just to grow a good fit together and stuff. And I think, you know, uh, between he and I, and I know, I know Dario and Tim, same thing. So it's, uh, you know, between the, the three of us at Vinny, the four of us, it's all been really good so far. We, uh, we've all been happy. Yeah. It's, it's certainly shown on the air in, in the broadcast, just kind of the um, chemistry between you guys. That's really kind of been growing and, you know, keeping it fun. And, and I, I really think it kind of, you know, like fits the team, like we were talking about earlier, like, you know, the Brewers are a pretty, you know, fun team and, and keep it lighthearted and fun when it comes to their games and having that also for, you know, the, the Brewers live pregame and postgame, I, I feel like that also just kind of, it just fits in so well uh, with, with the rest of that. And um, yeah, I remember, I think he gave like a one-liner the other day. He's like, I gave up three doubles in the span of two batters. I'm not sure how that happened, but you know, and so just like little quips like that, like the self-deprecating thing. It's like the kind of stuff that um, Euchre does in, in his radio broadcast, you know, the, the little self-deprecating, right. you know, I wasn't that good of a player uh, type thing that like, just like you catch it. It's like, that's so funny. Yeah, no, it, it, it is. It, it's very, very similar to, to two guys that, you know, with, with Euchre, you know, he was, he was on a, on major league teams as a backup catcher and didn't get to play that much, but you, boy, you think about that era, there were half the number of baseball teams and he was the number two catcher on, on a few teams. And, and now there's so many players trying to get in and, you know, Dillard played a long time of professional baseball. A lot of it was in the minor leagues and stuff, but it's uh, it's the same thing, man. You, you know, you got to figure out a way to be happy, stay entertained um, be a good teammate, all that kind of stuff. And, and it, um, it, it's really added up, you know, really, really nicely for him. And, um, you know, people need that. I mean, it, it's baseball, you know, it's, uh, games are long, our coverage is long. Um, we do it every single day. Um, and, and we have to come up with ways to, for us to have a good time too. And for us to feel, needed and you know like we need we need each other to you know pick pick us up occasionally and stuff so he's he's been excellent at, at, from that perspective yeah uh, one final thing uh, i want to i want to ask you about here craig so all-star voting is getting underway here um so the brewers have you know had some really strong performances um especially brandon woodruff corbin burns uh, but voting doesn't cover the pitchers at all but uh so when you look at this position player group i know they really haven't performed that well as a group but 
Are there any all-stars you feel among this Brewers position player group that deserve to go uh, to the all-star game this year? Uh, well, I, I would probably say Narvaez is probably the one guy that might be the one and only. I mean, if we're talking about a legit all-star mm-hmm. uh, right now, he's, um, I'll be honest with you, he is completely surprised me this year. Um, you, we talked earlier about uh, how the pandemic, you know, 60 game season, you know, changed a lot of guys. He was certainly in that group on the negative side. Unfortunately, it was the first time that we saw him you know, as a brewer, but, um, what he's done now, he's, he's, I thought defensively, he had a, a rough few weeks to start April. Um, but he's picked it up now. He's thrown some guys out and I, I think he's definitely a professional hitter, um, for the brewers this season. So I think out of the position guys, um, uh, unless I'm having a brain fart, <laughs> he'd be <laughs> pretty much the only guy I think position wise that would, you know, deserve a look at this point. Maybe Colton Wong um, at at second base, maybe. Um, But I haven't looked at all the numbers uh, and stuff. I was actually surprised that you said the all-star voting stuff was starting out. And I'm like, oh, it's that time of the year, though. Here we go, you know? So, yeah. If the Brewers have all-stars, it's going to be mostly coming from the pitching side. I mean, Woodruff and Burns are probably two locks. Um, Matt had an article on, on site the other day about Freddie Peralta and how he might deserve it, but would they, would they really give the Brewers three starting rotation members in the All-Star game? Well, I don't know if they're going to get two. Um, I, I think that, I think, you know, Woody's got to keep going. Um, I think Woody's a lock for sure. Um, I think Burns needs to get, um, he, right now I think he's plateaued a little bit, um, not, and not in a negative way, um, but we'll see what he does here in the next few weeks to, to solidify that. Uh, we all know what the, what a great historic start he had, you know, from uh, strikeouts to walks ratio and stuff, but um, you know, he, he still has a little bit of growth yet. I mean, Woody's got a, a year or two leg up on him as far as being a, a starting pitcher in the development. Um, I would say if it was me right now, I would say, that uh, Woody and Hader are locks from our pitching staff. Um, and then maybe Narvaez from a position player. Um, so if I had to do a June 3rd all-star, those would be the three guys, I think. And, and I, I do think that Colton Wong is definitely deserving. I mean, he's, I don't know what his error total is, but it can't be much. And he's made some spectacular plays. I, I don't know why he wouldn't be, uh, you know, a gold glove candidate again at this point. He certainly should be. Yeah, and he's hitting like 280, 290. Yeah. Too, so yeah, it certainly helps. Yeah. Um, all right. So Craig, we know we got to get going here. So I uh, would like to thank you so much for for taking the time to to join us on the Colbert podcast this week and uh talking some baseball. I had a had a really good time, man. I did too. I'd love to do it again with you guys for sure. You guys uh, you know, it was great talking and uh great easy conversation and stuff. And uh, obviously I, I I feel your passion for the team and stuff. So We'll do it again, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Glad to have you on anytime, man. All right, so that'll do it for this week's episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. I would like to thank Craig Kishan for joining us. For Craig, for Matt, uh, I'm Dave Gasper. We'll see you next week for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.